Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Be Humble or Be Humbled, brothers and sisters. Be Humble or Be Humbled. Brothers and sisters, what we'll learn today <clears throat> is that pride has a number of different faces. The complexities and ambiguities of pride make it hard to detect, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it's a matter of the heart. And when you're dealing with matters of the heart, a lot of times they can be obscured, brothers and sisters. Pride can hide. So we've been led by the Most High to put together a lesson cautioning us against the temptation to be prideful, brothers and sisters, for us to pick up and smother ourselves in humility, brothers and sisters, or receive the damnation that come with the proud, brothers and sisters. We're going to start in Jeremiah 13 and 9, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 9. Thus says the Lord, after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah. Read that again. After this manner will I mar the pride of Judah. And the great pride of Jerusalem. Now we know according to the Bible, brothers and sisters, that Judah is the so-called Negroes, the African Americans. It says, I will mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. So it's showing you that the children of Israel have pride, <laughs> brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Thus says the Lord, after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Read. This evil people which refuse to hear my words. See, that's the key right there, brothers and sisters. Pride is first an attitude of independence from the Most High. Instead of depending entirely on him, as was his design, a proud heart now looks to itself to decide, excuse me, to decide what is good and what is evil. And why are we bringing this out? Because we're under the misconception that pride, the only pride there is, is when I think I'm better than somebody. See, we've been trained to believe that's what pride is, brothers and sisters. And what you'll learn today is pride has a myriad of different faces. And that's just one of them, thinking I'm better than somebody. But most people don't struggle with that one. The one they struggle with is what we're reading here, brothers and sisters. Read verse 10 one more time, Brother Wesley. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 10. This evil people which refuse to hear my words which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. Which is what? Which is good for nothing. That's the key, brothers and sisters. See? So most pride is not being flashy, but in our decision-making. That's where the pride is, brothers and sisters, as this scripture is an indication. So there's a myriad of scriptures that refer to the pride of the Northern Kingdom, which are the Hispanic and Native tribes, and the Southern Kingdom, which is predominantly the Black tribes, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, the um, what you would call Negroes or African Americans. That's the Southern Kingdom. So the, there's there's scriptures in Hosea that tell you that the pride of Ephraim, the pride of Judah, which when it speaks of Ephraim and Judah, those are the two king tribes when the kingdoms were separated. 
So when there was a northern kingdom separated from the southern Ephraim or the Ephraimites or the Blaikwatsainos, the Puerto Ricans, was the king tribe of the northern kingdom once they split. And then you had Judah, the Negroes or the African-Americans who are the king tribe of the southern kingdom. And they were the king tribe of all of Israel when they were together. But we have pride and the Bible is showing you this, brothers and sisters. We're going to read nine one more time and then we'll move forward. Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 9 thus says the Lord after this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem read this evil people which refuse to hear my words which walk in the imaginations of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing see which is good for nothing brothers and sisters so we're showing you a couple things here Pride renders you spoiled to the Most High, which means you're good for nothing. You cannot be utilized. And what we're seeing here is it's not the pride of trying to be flashy. It's the pride of our decision making when you refuse to hear his words, as verse 10 tells you, brothers and sisters. That's pride. And we're going to show that. <clears throat> brother Wesley, let's go to Psalms, brother. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 10. We're going to read verse 4, brothers and sisters. Follow us there. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Read that one more time. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See, so pride is manifested through disobedience, brothers and sisters. Pride resists the Most High rather than seeking him, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> So the question is, how then can one be with the Most High without seeking him? <laughs> Read that one more time, brother. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See, so pride is practical atheism, brothers and sisters. If you put more trust in yourself than in the Most High, then you're making yourself an idol, brothers and sisters. That's known as self-worship, brothers and sisters. See, so what we're seeing here is what makes pride so repulsive to the Most High is the way that pride contends for supremacy with the Most High himself. See, that's the key, brothers and sisters. Through the pride, we don't seek the Most High concerning decisions. And when you don't seek the Most High and follow your own thoughts, your, your wicked imagination, like Jeremiah 13 tells us, that's an indication of pride, brothers and sisters, without any shadow of a doubt. So what we're going to do today is use the Bible <clears throat> to, sh to, to see what are the symptoms of pride. Because sometimes, most times, it's hard to detect. Most people, when they hear the subject of pride, they say, well, I don't have a problem with that. And usually the same person that's saying that is the one who's struggling with it the most. <laughs> that's usually the person struggling with it the most, brothers and sisters. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha 10 and 12 to magnify what Psalms 10 and 4 is saying, brothers and sisters. Follow us to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus chapter 10, verse 12, Brother Wesley. Ecclesiasticus chapter 10, verse 12. The beginning of pride is when one departeth from God. Read that again. The beginning of pride is when one departeth from God and his heart is turned away from his maker. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The beginning of pride is when you disobey. 
So in order for a brother or sister to disobey the Most High, it starts with pride. Because why? You think you know better than what he's instructing me to, what he's instructing us to do. See, brothers and sisters, the beginning of pride is when one depart from the Most High. See, read that one more time, brother. The beginning of pride is when one departed from God. And his heart is turned away from his maker. This is the deadliest sin. We're going to show you. Continue, brother. For the pride is the beginning of sin. Read that again. For the pride is the beginning of sin. The sin from which all others arise, brothers and sisters. Read 13 one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 10, verse 13. For, the, for pride is the beginning of sin. And he that hath it shall pour out abomination. And therefore the Lord brought upon them strange calamities and overthrew them utterly. See, so the gateway through all other sin enters the mortal soul through pride. It was pride that changed angels into devils, brothers and sisters. It was the pride of Lucifer that you can read in Isaiah, brothers and sisters. See, pride is the beginning of all sin, brothers and sisters. So especially when you know what's right. Especially when you can go right in there and see, it says, okay, well, the Sabbath, <laughs> the Sabbath is Saturday. And then you look at that and explain that off. See, that's pride. Because you think you know better than what Exodus 20 and 8 says. You think you know better than in creation when the Most High said he rested on the seventh day, which is Saturday. The seventh day of the week is Saturday, brothers and sisters. See? Or when you look at that scripture that says, Jeremiah 10, that tell you, the um, the Christmas tree is an idol. <laughs> and then you'll make an excuse for that. Well, whatever the case may be, all sin starts first with pride. Because you believe you know better than the God that created you, brothers and sisters. We're showing you something here. Read that from the top, brother. Verse 12 and 13, please, and we'll move forward. Ecclesiasticus chapter 10, verse 12. The beginning of pride is when one departed from God. And his heart is turned away from his maker. For pride is the beginning of sin. And he that hath it shall pour out abomination. See, he that hath it will receive damnation. And therefore the Lord brought upon them strange calamities and overthrew them utterly. That's key. Pride brings calamity, brothers and sisters. It brings a humbling, brothers and sisters. That's why we're going into this. Because we need to be able to detect... If we have this, therefore, we can root it out at its source, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Philippians, Brother Wesley. Going to the New Testament. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you. Read that again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. So let this mind that was in Christ be in us, brothers and sisters. This is showing us something here. It becomes possible for us to do these things once we have an example, once we see it done. So read that one more time, brother. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now let's stop it there because Christians will use this scripture to say Christ is God. And this scripture is not saying Christ is God. It says, who being in the form of God thought it not 
robbery to be equal with God. Now I'll stop a Christian right there. Equal to means equal to. You need more than one to be equal. He's not saying he's the most high. He's saying that he did everything as the most high would have done it. So he could, he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with the most high. So look at that, brothers and sisters. Christ said, I come not to do my will, <laughs> but the will of my father. He also said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Remember that? Why? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I've done everything as my father told me to do it. So me standing before you is like seeing the most high stand before you because I didn't come to do my own will. So when a Christian take you there, you have to, you know, you have to give them the understanding of that because they don't have the knowledge, brothers and sisters. They're very uneducated concerning, uh, you know, the Bible, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Philippians chapter two, verse six, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And did what? And took upon him the form of a servant. Christ humbled himself so he could be rightly exalted, brothers and sisters. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He did what? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Read. Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and have given him a name which is above every name. Read 9 one more time, brother. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. See, so our excuse me, our exaltation first requires humility, brothers and sisters. See? So reaching high first requires going low, brothers and sisters. And see, that's the key because the world don't teach us that. We exalt ourselves. It tell you Christ humbled himself, became obedient even unto death. So that means even in the things that hurt him. The things, it's not like everything he did is something he wanted to do. See, that's where we get caught up. Thinking that obedience is doing the things I agree with. That's not obedience. <laughs> obedience is even when I don't agree, nevertheless, I'll do it. See, that's what obedience is. It's not obedient to do what's easy for you. <laughs> that's not that's selective obedience, which is actually sin. That's disobedience. See, because you're going to be tested with things you actually don't want to do. Things that are actually hurt, brothers and sisters. And when you do that, that's obedience. That's why it says became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, brothers and sisters. Because everything is not going to be easy. So we have to understand that, brothers and sisters. Reaching high first requires going low, brothers and sisters. You have to remember that. Let this mind be in you, the one that was in Christ. That's key. So we're going to use the Bible to see the mind that was in Christ, brothers and sisters, for all of us. We're going to go to Matthew 11 and 28, Brother Wesley. Follow us to Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to the gospel, Matthew 11 and 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Read that again. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Read. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, 
for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a strange paradox here. <laughs> Read 28 again, brother. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the strange paradox is that a man already weary and overloaded must take a new weight upon him in order to be eased and find rest, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely. Read that again, brother. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So look at that. Notice that there are three commands, which each calling, you know, each of them calling for a choice to respond. It says, come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn of me. See, brothers and sisters. So we must learn to maintain peace and patience in the midst of pelting provocation. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Christ emphasizes the gentle aspect of meekness towards others. I am meek and lowly in heart. Why? Wherever pride and anger dwell, there's nothing but mental labor and agony, brothers and sisters. See, that's why he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. See, wherever pride and anger dwell, there's nothing but mental agony, mental anguish, brothers and sisters. See, Christ understood this. Christ understood this, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 19 and 12, Brother Wesley. (laughs) Follow us to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Psalms, chapter 19, verse 12. This is key. Who can understand his errors? Read that again. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from the secret faults. Do what? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Do what? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse thou me from secret faults, brothers and sisters. Secret faults are sins that we commit that we do not see or recognize as sins, brothers and sisters. We like to call them blind spots, areas in our lives that is negatively impacting us, but that we cannot see. Read that one more time, brother. Psalms chapter 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from the from secret faults. From what? From secret faults. Secret faults, areas that we have yet to identify as real problems, brothers and sisters. See? Look at this here, brothers and sisters. Why? Because this is showing you we have secret faults. And guess what? Pride is one of those ones that's traditionally a secret fault, brothers and sisters. Because you can't see it. A blind spot, the same way when you're driving a car, brothers and sisters. You have those blind spots that can cause an accident. This is showing you something here, brothers and sisters. Read 12 and 13 again, brother, please. Psalms chapter 19, verse 12. Who can, un- who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So look at this, brothers and sisters. We all have secret faults. The psalmist is telling you this. See, brothers and sisters? 
And now listen, nevertheless, we're still held accountable for our actions, whether you know it or not. <laughs> so just because something's a secret fault and you're unaware of it doesn't mean you're not held accountable for it. So it would behoove you to find it, brothers and sisters. See? And this is what we try to share with brothers and sisters. We are to search ourselves. Because just because you don't see a sin being there doesn't mean you won't find out on Judgment Day. And you would rather find out before Judgment Day, brothers and sisters. See? So some people may not be happy when we go into self-reflective lessons. But really, it's what's best. Because you will be accountable for that fault, whether you knew about it or not. So it's best to do what? Examine yourself before that day and say, okay, well, hold on. According to scripture, measuring myself against biblical literature, I'm struggling with this that I'll be judged for, brothers and sisters. Why? Because ignorance of the law is no excuse. It's no excuse, brothers and sisters. See? Sometimes getting healed hurts, brothers and sisters. Sometimes it does. Getting better hurts, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you some secret faults. Let's go to Jonah. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Jonah chapter 3 verse 5 because sometimes I think we overlook some of the key parts of the story of Jonah. We all know, right? <clears throat> Jonah was disobedient. The Most High told him to go to Nineveh. Brothers and sisters, immediately he went in the opposite direction. Immediately. Then he was swallowed up by a fish, regurgitated onto the land, and only then... Did he go back and do what the Most High told him to do? But there were some behaviors that was an indication of pride, brothers and sisters. The, the symptoms. We're going to look at the symptoms that Jonah was dealing with that I think brothers and sisters overlook, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Jonah 3 and 5 because this is after Noah have already gone to Nineveh and told them what was right. Read verse 5, please, brother. Jonah chapter 3 verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. So it tells you that the people of Nineveh, they believed in the Most High. They believed in the information that Jonah delivered to them. From the greatest of them to the least of them, they put on a fast to show their obedience. But they still were not sure if the Most High was going to destroy them. Why? Remember, Jonah gave them 40 days. He said, in 40 days, if you don't deal with some reformation, if you don't deal with the spiritual transformation, judgment is coming. So even though they humbled themselves and fast, they were still unsure of what the judgment would be. How do we know? Read Jonah 3 and 9, brother. Jonah chapter 3, verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. That what? That we perish not. Right. So it's telling you, we don't know if the Most High would turn away his wrath, his anger, that we perish not. Read. And God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way. Read that again. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. So he's saying, listen, I'm seeing their works. I'm not going to destroy them. The key part is the next scripture. Jonah 4 and 1. 
What was Jonah's behavior after realizing this, brothers and sisters? Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. But what? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So look at this. The Most High turned away his wrath. <laughs> and Jonah was angry about this, brothers and sisters. See, look at this. This is a prophet here. Jonah was exceedingly displeased. He was angry that they did the right thing, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. For what? For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. So he's saying, this is why I ran away initially, because I knew you weren't going to do anything. You're too merciful to destroy them. You're too slow to anger. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is showing you. Jonah's pride was so great that he believed he knew better than the Most High himself what should happen to the people of Nineveh. See, he was angry, brothers and sisters. He was angry. He, he said, listen, I knew you weren't going to destroy them. I knew that you were too merciful, you were too gracious, and you were slow to anger. Now, brothers and sisters, I need you to remember something. Jonah just got regurgitated from a whale from being disobedient. And now... He doesn't want to show mercy. Read verse 5, brother, please. Jonah 4 and 5. Jonah chapter 4, verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it in a shadow till he might see what would become of the city. So he set himself on the outside of the city to see whether the Most High was going to rain down judgment. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. A what? A gourd. Brothers and sisters, a gourd is a leafy plant. And made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head, to deliver him from his grief. To do what? To deliver him from his grief. Brothers and sisters, he was so angry, he was grieving. He was so angry that he thought that the Mosai should judge them. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. So the gourd. The Most High put a gourd there to cover him, brothers and sisters, keep him out of the sun. Read. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. So he had a worm start eating away at this leafy plant, and it withered up and died. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at how irritable he is, brothers and sisters. Pride, irritability. When you're easily irritable and offended, that's pride, brothers and sisters. It tells you the most high had a vehement wind that <laughs> had the sun beat down on the head of Jonah. So much to he to where he fainted and said, I wish I died. I'd rather die than to deal with this. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Read. And God said to Jonah, Does thou well to be angry for the gore? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Now he's angry about something else. 
He's claiming, he's acting like he's angry because of the gourd, but he's really angry about something else. <laughs> See? He's like, why create something so beautiful to destroy it? This is what Jonah is thinking. Read. Jonah chapter 4 verse 10. Then said the Lord. What did he say? Thou hast, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for thou which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow. Which came up in the night and perished in the night. So he's saying you have more pity, more mercy on this leafy plant, which you did not create, you did not plant, you did not help grow, than you had for who? For the people of Nineveh. So it was pride that was so focused on whether or not he was going to be right that the idea of mercy became unpalatable, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? See, so look at this. He's saying you care more about a leafy plant of gourd than the six score thousand persons that don't know right from wrong. See, so it's showing you something here, brothers and sisters. This is showing you merciless. He was merciless. And guess what? The reason unforgiveness or mer being merciless is so serious is that it's a form of pride, brothers and sisters. Unwillingness or inability to have mercy turns our hearts into a breeding ground for self-righteous anger, bitterness, and resentment, brothers and sisters. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing that merciless is rooted in arrogance, brothers and sisters. See, so when you see our people out there saying, well, we shouldn't teach Gentile. We shouldn't teach the white man. We shouldn't teach the African or the Korean man. We should keep this to ourselves. That's a form of pride because you think you're the, the police of the gospel, <laughs> that you should dictate who received truth. See, that's why Jonah didn't want to go, brothers and sisters. Jonah did not want to go because he knew they would change. He knew that the Most High would have mercy on him. He didn't want the Most High to have mercy on him. And see, that's what our people do. You sit here and talk about how the white man knock you upside your head. And then when we say, well, let's go teach the white man the truth. We're not. <laughs> so hold on. You want to complain about him lumping you up on the head. But then when we can go teach him what's right, you don't want to do that. See, that's pride, brothers and sisters. That's arrogance. That's smugness. You don't want to have mercy on a white man. Or an African. Or a Korean. See? That's pride. Where you don't want the Most High to have mercy on them for changing. Like he had mercy on you. See? The Most High just had mercy on Jonah. And now Jonah is turning around. And saying, well, you should have destroyed him. It's showing you a couple things there, brothers and sisters. Mercy comes from humility. Being merciless come from pride, brothers and sisters. See, we must learn mercy, brothers and sisters. We must learn mercy. Why? Because it's an indication of humility. It's not just about the mercy. It's about the source of that mercy. Mercy come from humility. That forgiveness. That ability to overlook. And guess what? Mercy by definition <laughs> is not deserved, brothers and sisters. See, that's what make the most high, the most high, because even though you deserve <laughs> judgment, I'm going to have mercy on you since you got right. 
Jonah did not want to have mercy. And notice there's nothing further in scripture concerning his ministry. See, there's nothing further in the Bible concerning Jonah's ministry. It's a couple things here. Jonah was dealing with this secret sins while he's looking at everybody else. Ignoring what's right there in his own face, brothers and sisters. See, that's the danger of pride. You don't even realize it, brothers and sisters. And it affects your decision making. It affects your lack of mercy. It affects everything, brothers and sisters. It affects everything. And we're going to show that, brothers and sisters. We encourage, brothers and sisters, to go back and read Jonah. Because there's certain parts that we skip over. We read the Christian church part <laughs> about the fish. Everybody know about that. But what about chapter 4? Where the anger come, where the bitterness come, where the unrelenting uh, you know, judgment come, where the lack of mercy is, where the pride is evident. So what are we doing? We're using the scriptures. To help us uncover the symptoms of pride that have been concealed in our hearts, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 21 and 4, brother. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 21 and 4, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4. And high look, and a proud heart. And the plowing of the wicked. And what? And the plowing of the wicked wicked, is a sin. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This confirms that pride gives birth to more tangible sins. As plowing prepares the earth to produce crops, just as surely as plowing precedes the produce of the earth, so does pride prepare the way to produce sin, brothers and sisters. See? When you're plowing, what are you getting the ground ready for? Crops for produce. Pride is getting the ground ready for what? <laughs> for wickedness, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4. A high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. See? The plowing of the wicked is sin, brothers and sisters. See? So everything starts with that pride. That's what we were showing. The pride of Jonah led to his lack of mercy. See, and that's why you have to deal with pride at its root, brothers and sisters, at its core, because it leads to other behaviors. It's the beginning of sin, brothers and sisters. See, that's why the Bible tell you over and over and over how much hatred the Most High have for a proud heart, for a high look, brothers and sisters. Now you're seeing it. And that was Jonah, brothers and sisters. We all know about Jonah, but we didn't know that part of Jonah. See? So even those who are teaching the gospel have pride. <laughs> see? You don't believe me? Go into your Christian church and ask them about the Sabbath and see how much pride you see then. Let's go to Proverbs, Brother Wesley. Let's go to Proverbs 16 and 5, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Read that again. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. The Most High is diametrically opposed to prideful people, brothers and sisters. 
Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. So that means even if you're in agreement with certain people, or certain people are attracted to your pride, you will not go unpunished. So just because somebody may have not told you that you're prideful doesn't mean you'll go unpunished. <laughs> See? No trait is more abominable than this one. Why? Because it's the most deceptive one, brothers and sisters. Matters of the heart go easily undetected because you cannot see it with your natural eyes, brothers and sisters. So what are we going to do? We're going to use this lesson to go into the symptoms of pride. And if we're dealing with these symptoms, then that's an indication there's pride there. That's evidence of a proud heart there, brothers and sisters. Therefore, we can root that out. Then we can root that out, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 11 and 2. Be humble or be humbled, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Read that again, brother. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. But what? But with the lowly is wisdom. The proud hypocrite deceives himself into ignoring realities in the conduct of his life that the meek and humble person quickly recognizes, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When the pride cometh, then cometh shame. See, look at that. When the pride cometh, then come shame. So the proud person's vanity pushes him into conduct that will end in his shame. Brothers and sisters. See? So you have to understand that. If you're dealing in prideful behaviors and making proud decisions, you will be shamed. And that will be a public shaming, usually. <laughs> See? That's why it's be humble or be humbled, brothers and sisters. Because whatever you care about most or whatever you're, 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 wherever you're utilizing pride to make certain decisions, that's what he's going to shake, brothers and sisters. Whatever area of your life that you're using pride, that's what's going to get shook up. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. See, with the lowly is wisdom, brothers and sisters. So we must stay in the spirit of humility, brothers and sisters. And we're not just talking about thinking, you know... I'm better than somebody. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the decision making, brothers and sisters, because there's certain thoughts, there's certain decisions that are being made amongst our people that is evidence of the pride that dwell within, brothers and sisters. Just like Jonah, that secret fault that Jonah's dealing with, a lack of mercy, which is the indication of pride, brothers and sisters. That's a symptom of pride, brothers and sisters. And we're going to go through some other symptoms of pride, brothers and sisters. Therefore, we can acknowledge if we're dealing with this or not. And go to the Most High, fall on our face, repent, and turn away from it. If not, read verse 2 again, brother. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. See, if not, then be prepared for the public humiliation. Brothers and sisters, because the most high know how to get your attention. I always tell young men specifically, especially black men, listen, we have to get this, this humility in check. Because if you don't get it in check, he's going to get you in check. And you don't want to be there. 
I listen, Father. I'll get right on my own. I don't need you know. I don't need your assistance. I'll get it. But see, if you move too slow, he's gonna speed you up. Deal with the things you know is a problem, brothers and sisters, before he force you to deal with it. Because you never want to be there. You never want to be in that space, brothers and sisters. Trust me. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. We're going to Isaiah 2 and 12. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty. Read that again, brother. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty. Human pride will be destroyed in the final judgment, brothers and sisters. And upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. See, so proud men will be humbled by the destruction of the things that minister to their pride, brothers and sisters. See, that's key. Shame is coming, brothers and sisters. For those of us who have exalted ourselves. For those of us looking with a lofty look, a proud heart, a proud countenance, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And he shall be brought low, brothers and sisters. See? So this is important, brothers and sisters. If you're dealing with pride, you will be humble. So whether you know you're dealing with it or not, what we have to do is train ourselves to understand or see through the most highest perspective, brothers and sisters. Because a brother may say, well, I, I, I don't have pride. Well, that's what you say. But what does the most high say? Because ultimately you'll be judged on what he thinks and not you. So what we have to do is get our mind and our vision in line with his thoughts, brothers and sisters. You're not going to be judged according to what you think is wrong. You're going to be judged according to what he thinks is wrong, brothers and sisters. So this is critical. This is key to, to you know, to deal with self-reflection before that day come, brothers and sisters. Because there's nothing more hateful than pride, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 8 and 13. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Read that again. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. These all are specimens of evil, which the fear of the Lord teaches us to hate. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, Stop and... Stop right there. Look at this, brothers and sisters. To hate evil... Look at what the first evil is. Pride. Because why? That's the beginning of all sin. It's a call careful, It's a call to careful abstinence from all sin. Pride, most importantly, brothers and sisters. He will crush any man or woman with a proud spirit. Read that one more time, brother. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. These are things the most high hate. Brothers and sisters, and it would definitely behoove you to make sure you're not displaying anything the Most High have hatred for. In order to be repudiated by pride, we must be able to identify pride. We must be able to know pride when we see it, brothers and sisters. So what do we do? We'll use the Bible to illustrate the symptoms of this sickness, 
that you call pride, brothers and sisters. The fear of the Most High is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way in the forward mouth. So we have to learn what those things look like, brothers and sisters, because Satan is very crafty. He's very subtle. He wants you to think this is just who you are. <laughs> it's not who you are. And if it is who you are, you might want to change it. Because who you, who you think you are is going to get you destroyed. We're not right, brothers and sisters, because this is how I've always been. You're wrong because this is how you've always been. Why? Where's the born again part come in? If this is who you've always been, then, I mean, how are you born again? <laughs> See? This is what we're looking for, brothers and sisters. We want to go to the symptoms of pride. And guess what one of them is? One of them is attention-seeking, brothers and sisters. If you're constantly, or someone is constantly seeking attention, that's an indication there's pride there, brothers and sisters. And we're going to prove that. We're going to Luke chapter 14, verse 8. The Bible is going to illustrate the symptoms that will give evidence of a proud heart. Luke chapter 14, verse 8. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, least a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Christ has given something crystal clear here. And very important because having seen people competing for places of honor, Christ is given a warning here. Read that one more time, brother. Luke chapter 14, verse 8. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, least a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that beg, bade thee and him come and say to thee, What do they say? Give this man place. And thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. And thou what? And thou begin with it with shame to take the lowest room. See, so Christ warned <laughs> that in seeking honor, brothers and sisters, we might find ourselves publicly humiliated. It says, listen, when you're bidden to a feast, guess what? Don't sit in the highest seat. Don't try to be the center of attention because when somebody greater than you come in, they may say, well, listen, brother, we need you to slide down to the other end of the table. <laughs> See? Well, brother, we don't need you sitting at the head. We need you actually back there in the other room, actually, brother. See, brothers and sisters? When you exalt yourself, then comes shame. Read 8 and 9 one more time, brother. Luke chapter 14, verse 8. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee, and him come and say to thee, Say what? Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. Read. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when they have, when they, when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them. That sit at the meat with thee. So it says you go to the lowest seat and allow them to say, well, brother, I need you to come up here. We actually want you up here. Instead of a brother having to tell you to step down. You know, and, and instead of being told to step down, they'll ask you to step up, brothers and sisters. See, so Christ is showing you. This is an indication. Somebody who always have to be recognized. Somebody who always have to be seen. Somebody who always have to be heard and acknowledged. See, 
That's an indication of pride. According to the Bible. Read verse 11, brother. Luke chapter 14, verse 11. For whosoever exalteth himself. Read that again. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See? So the Bible is showing you something clear. A wise man will never put himself forward in the presence of other persons unless it is totally necessary, brothers and sisters. See? So this is key. If you're a person who has to be recognized. Well, yeah, I'm leaving the church because they're not recognizing my gift. <laughs> See, that's pride. This, this goes on, even in the Christian church, brothers and sisters. This goes on in the Christian church. Well, because, you know, because I can't have this parking spot here, you know. Remember that? Remember that used to go on at the Christian church, brothers and sisters? Fighting over parking spots. Well, well I need to be on the front row where the pastor's preaching. Well, hold on. The front row should be for those who are sick. Not for those who, who, are, who have celebrity and money. When you go into these Christian churches, you got the celebrities, those who have money, the ushers, family, all that on the front row. See? Christianity just caters to pride, brothers and sisters. It just caters to pride. What we're showing you here is the Bible is telling you those who always need to be seen are showing forth evidence of pride, brothers and sisters. And that's crystal clear. We're going to go to Proverbs 25 and 6. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 6. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of a great man. Read that again, brother. Take your time. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of a great man. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is instructions about decorum of speech, handling conflict, and maintaining one's honor and reputation. It says, put not forth thyself. In the presence of a king. Read 6 again. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king. And stand not in the place of great men. Read. For better it, for better it is that it is to be said unto thee. Said what? Come up hither. Then thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince. Whom thine eyes have seen. See. It's showing you what? Pride is hungry for attention. It's better to be said. Come up here brother. Come up here sister. Then for somebody to say, well, brother, we need you to step down and be quiet because you're doing a little much right now. See, seek a low place so that the host might give you public honor by moving you to a higher place. See, one of the symptoms of self-centeredness is what? A constant need for attention and affirmation, brothers and sisters. See? That's a symptom of being self-centered, which is pride, brothers and sisters, another term for pride. For better it is that it be said unto thee, come up here, then thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. See, you take the lowest seat, you take the lowest seat, brothers and sisters, okay, and allow somebody to elevate you. You don't elevate yourself. The Bible is showing you something here. See? Attention seeking. Always needing to be recognized. See? 
if if you if you deal with this, you have pride. It must be terminated. It must be eradicated quickly before judgment come, brothers and sisters. Before judgment come. Let's go to Proverbs twenty-seven and two. Another form of pride, brothers and sisters. An indication of pride. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. See, this is key too, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. It says, let another man or woman praise you. Not your, you don't praise yourself. Why? Because self-boasting is always a source of weakness. As well as a revelation of vanity, brothers and sisters. In lieu of praising oneself, this proverb advises to allow a stranger to do so. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. See? So, brothers and sisters, praise is only as good as its source. So our own praise is too unobjective to be useful. Brothers and sisters, we must allow others to praise us, brothers and sisters. See, an example is when people say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a humble person. Well, listen, <laughs> that's false humility. If you're telling me or telling others that you're humble, that's actually false. Because if that's true, let others acknowledge that. That's actually showing pride because you're proud in the fact that you're humble. <laughs> it's tricky, brothers and sisters. It really is. It really is tricky. The Bible tell you every man will say that he's faithful. <laughs> I don't know a man who, who wouldn't say he's humble. <laughs> or a sister. Well, yeah. See? Let somebody else do that for you. Because when you do it, you may not think it's showing pride, but everybody else thinks that. And we have to go off that, brothers and sisters. Because the Bible tell you a good name is worth more than rubies. To have a good name amongst men. See, so this is how other people would see this, brothers and sisters. So we're learning something here. We don't know until we know. The Bible is telling us what things are indication of pride. Because it's not prideful by just saying it. It's the source of why you're saying it. That means it spreads like a cancer, brothers and sisters. It's not just this one thing. It affects the decision making all the way around. See, let's go to Proverbs 25 and 27, Brother Wesley. What's that say, brother? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. See, so methods to gain popular applause is not glorious and praiseworthy, brothers and sisters. It's actually um, dishonorable, according to the Bible, to seek for applause is not only sinful, but it's shameful, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 27. It is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. <laughs> for, for a woman or a man to search their own glory, that's not glory. <laughs> this is showing you, brothers and sisters. A thirst for praise is evidence of narcissism, brothers and sisters. And pride, as we're seeing... Is something that can creep in our life in various subtle ways, brothers and sisters. Very subtly. 
That's why we have to use the Bible for the symptoms. Because this world don't teach us how to how to actually even see pride, brothers and sisters. We're taught to look at it through a different lens, which is, well, I don't think I'm better than anybody. Well, it's not about that, brother. That's the smallest percentage of pride. That's not the one the most, well, the most I hate all pride, but that's not the one. It's what you're doing inside. It's the way you're making decisions. We're going to show you that, brothers and sisters. Now, because pride has many different faces, brothers and sisters, one of them is what? Being argumentative. Being argumentative is a form of pride. It's an indication of pride, rather. We're going to prove that. We're going to go to Proverbs 13 and 10, Brother Wesley. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Read that again. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well advised, it is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. Which is telling you, brothers and sisters, without pride, fighting and strife would quickly end. Quickly. See? Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised, it is wisdom. See? So, it is arrogant confidence and overinflated self-importance that keeps contention, brothers and sisters. That's, that's according to the Bible. When you see somebody who's always arguing, or even in an argument. Because if somebody won't yield, there's a reason why they won't yield. So, this scripture tells us pride is the trigger or the fuel that initiates, sustains, and escalates fighting, brothers and sisters. When you see contention, you see arguing, you're seeing pride, brothers and sisters. And we know people who are always in some level of an argument, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advised is wisdom. So according to this passage, pride motivates us to exaggerate the value of our thoughts, brothers and sisters. And that's, that's, that's crystal clear. So when you see that, or you're dealing in an argument, you have to step down. Step back and yield. And if you can't, then now you're seeing there's the pride. There's the pride. It's, it's showing itself. See? This is what you must look for, brothers and sisters. <laughs> you're not going to, something's not going to fall from heaven and say, well, yeah, you have pride. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. It's certain circumstances that will be an indication that you're dealing with pride or that I'm dealing with pride, brothers and sisters. See? Secret faults, blind spots, brothers and sisters. Blind spots that we wish will be judged by. Brother Wesley, let's go to Ephesians 4 and 26. Only by contention, excuse me, only by pride come of contention, brothers and sisters. Remember that. We're going to Ephesians 4 and 26. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Do what, brother? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's key. Be angry and sin not. Why? Because until we master and mature in the ability to have an emotion that doesn't control us, 
we have pride, brothers and sisters. See? It's telling us, be angry and sin not. Why? Because some of us think the presence of the emotion is the justification for the action. Because I feel this way, that's why I did this. See? The Bible tells you, if we render evil for evil, that is evidence of pride. Why? Because we put our opinion above the well-being of this person. The Bible tell me don't render evil for evil, but because they did this to me, I'm going to do it. Why? <laughs> See? That's the evidence you're looking for right there. I'm going to go against what I know the scripture says not to do because they did this to me. See, brothers and sisters, that's pride. Be willing to yield in an argument. Because guess what? It takes two to tango, brothers and sisters. Somebody who always have to argue. Someone who always have to be right and be heard. Why? That's pride. Let's go to Proverbs 28 and 25, brother. Be humble or be humbled, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Read that again. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. It's showing you that quarreling is the fruit of pride, brothers and sisters. A man with a proud heart will always be in conflicts. Read that again. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. See? A proud heart stirreth up strife. Why? Because his pride will not let matters drop. Pride proves the point. Pride proves the point. I have to prove a point because of my pride. See? Until he feels like he's got the last word or act in a disagreement, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. See? That's the pride. You can't yield. You won't yield. I need them to know my side of it. See? I need you really to examine these scriptures, brothers and sisters, because pride will not overlook minor offenses. Pride will not admit error or ignorance. See, that's another thing. A prideful person can't apologize. They can't say they're wrong, brothers and sisters. They can't ask for forgiveness, brothers and sisters. If you can't do that, you have pride. We're going to prove that. We're going to Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. Because these are the symptoms, brothers and sisters. It's very hard to detect this. That's why we had to use the Bible to give the symptom. Because there's no one thing that is just going to say on your forehead, yeah, I, I have a spirit of pride on me. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to look at the symptoms around it to know what is it, what is this pointing to. What are certain behaviors evidence of within my heart. Ecclesiasticus chapter 32 verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved but finds an excuse according to his own will. Brothers and sisters, it didn't say a man who sinned. It said a sinful man. <laughs> so that's a difference, brothers and sisters. See, pride will always find an excuse for why you did what you did. Okay? You can't just say, well, you know what, brother? I was wrong. I'm sorry. There was no... There, there was no excuse for that, brother. That's not who I am. You know, I, I wasn't being myself, brother. I'm sorry. See? A person who is dealing with pride is going to start justifying why they did what they did. See, that's why I said don't render evil for evil because there's no excuse for it. 
brothers and sisters. We're going to say because, well, they did this to me. <laughs> so that's that's your reason for sinning. A proud person does not recognize their mistakes and does not accept to be rebuked, brothers and sisters. The scripture is showing you that pride makes you stubborn even when you know you're wrong. See, we have to practice that, brothers and sisters. Be able to go apologize without a justification. Stop yourself short of, well, I did it because of this. No, you're dealing with pride because you're finding an excuse. <laughs> I was wrong, sister. I'm sorry. The Bible told me I shouldn't have did that. And no matter what happened, I should not have done that. I was wrong for that. I'm sorry. Can you accept that apology, sister? Can you accept that apology, brother? See? And if you can't do that, read it again, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 32, verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. See, so justifying our sin instead of admitting it is a symptom of pride, brothers and sisters. That's key. We, we really have to remember that, brothers and sisters, because that was a major, major step in any walk with Christ, getting closer to Christ, brothers and sisters. I had to learn that, brothers and sisters, because coming from where we come from, that's weak to say I was wrong. What we came up on is, you know, eye for an eye, because he did this, I got to get him back, or I got to get her back. And that's pride, brothers and sisters. The Bible is telling you, whether you, a brother do something to you or not, you're responsible to me. Because when that day comes, you're not going to be able to say, well, because he did this to me is why I broke your law, Father. That's why I broke your law, because the brother did this to me. You're going to burn for that. You're going to burn. There's no excuse, brothers and sisters. Read verse 18, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 32, verse 18. A man of counsel will be considerate, but a strange and proud man is not daunted with fear, even when of himself he has done without counsel. So brothers and sisters, being able to, or excuse me, being unable to receive constructive criticism without offense is evidence of pride. Nobody can come to you and give you something constructive about what they're seeing in your behavior. Then an excuse comes. <laughs> or then an offense comes. See? So what is this showing us? Pride is a spirit that rears its ugly head most when we're in conflict with others, brothers and sisters. That's really when you can see it. <laughs> when you get in conflict with a sister or a brother, what is your behavior? Because that is the evidence, brothers and sisters. That is the evidence. See, so right now, all, all of us are listening to these scriptures and measuring ourselves. Did I ever do this? Am I dealing with this? Am I doing this currently? Okay, well, according to the Bible, that's pride. I have to I have to come all the way down. I have to come all the way down. And that's okay. None of us is perfect, brothers and sisters. We're working to perfection. Jonah was dealing with this. He is written up in the Bible. We still read his story to this day. So for one of us or any of us to say, well, no, I, I'm not dealing with that. You're definitely dealing with it. You're definitely dealing with it. Because if the man writing the Bible is dealing with it, should, should you not examine yourself? We have to stay low, brothers and sisters. 
We have to stay low. Ecclesiasticus 11 and 8 is further indication or evidence of pride. Ecclesiasticus chapter 11 verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause. Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Neither what? Neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Interrupting, cutting people off, brothers and sisters, whether it's in an argument or not. It's an indication of pride. Why? Because my opinion must be heard and I will defend it to the death. (laughs) See? I need to be seen as right. They need to hear me. See? All of us have been around. Our people do that a lot. Especially when there's some contention there. Start cutting each other off. Trying to get loud. Usually when you cut people off, you get louder than them. Start over-talking them. See? That's pride. Read it again, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 11, verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause, neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. See, so this is crystal clear. If you do this for any reason at all, brothers and sisters, you're dealing with pride because there is no reason to interrupt a brother in the midst of their talk, especially when you're having a disagreement. And if you give a reason for why you're doing it, pride. See, because you're justifying it again. See, so the Bible is showing you how to deal with the conflict. I'm going to let the, listen, brother, go ahead. I I won't cut you off, brother. I'll rebut. I'll bring my point after you, brother. As long as you want to talk, I'm going to be quiet because that's what the Bible tell me to do. See, pride is concerned with who's right. Humility is concerned with what is right. There's a difference. There's a difference. Is this about you being right? Or is this about finding some resolution? There's a difference. There is a difference. What we're showing here, brothers and sisters, is there are subtle tells that give an indication to the presence of pride, brothers and sisters. This is what we're learning today because this is very, very common amongst our people, brothers and sisters. Especially when you grow up in some of these lower class inner cities, brothers and sisters. And our people understand exactly what I'm talking about. These are the things that lead to murder, brothers and sisters. Pride. These are the things that cause us not to be able to deal with each other, brothers and sisters. If you're unwilling to yield... That's pride. Whether you're right or wrong. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Most High through time and through study and maturing have helped me to be able to apologize even when I'm right. <laughs> even Or take accountability even when I did nothing wrong. See, if you can't do that, that's pride. You have a job, right? Everybody go to nine to five. Your supervisor can be blaming you for something you really didn't do. See, pride is going to make you say, well, no, nah, that really wasn't me. You're, you're, mis- you're misunderstanding. You need to look at the, the video again. Humility come in and say, well, okay, you know what? I can do better. I, I can do better on that. I'm going to take what you said and I'm going to make sure I implement what it is you're showing me. You may have not done anything wrong at all, but the pride is what is making you have to Prove that you've done nothing wrong. See? 
That's the difference. Can you accept constructive criticism? <laughs> if you can't, that's pride. And these are the things, brothers and sisters, that's also going to help you fish better. Fishes of men. Because people can smell smugness on you. Especially a Christian. Why? Because you think you, you've studied something? You're learning with the commandment keepers or whatever the case may be? You know about some law and you know your initial like, now you got some arrogance about you, some pride. They can smell it on you. Brothers and sisters, they can see it in you. And they will not receive anything from you if they feel that spirit of pride, brothers and sisters. See, we can sit down with a pastor who's, you know, 20, 30 years older than us and still show the brother respect, but deliver the truth. See, if you do anything with pride, brothers and sisters, ultimately you will have no success. You will have no success. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Ecclesiasticus chapter 11, verse 8. Answer not before thou hast heard the cause, neither interrupt men in the midst of their talk. Right. So why do, are we going into these scriptures, brothers and sisters? We're going into these scriptures because they're subtle tales. That give indication to the presence of pride. So you have to be paying close attention. We're going to prove that. We're going to James 3 and 13, Brother Wesley. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us here. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and abdued with the knowledge among you? Read that again. Who is, who is a wise man and abdued? But the knowledge among you. This test immediately challenges our personal pride. Because he's saying, who's the wise man with the knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Read that again. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. See, people tend to measure wisdom as having all the right answers. But the Bible is telling you a truly wise person will demonstrate the humility of wisdom by his speech. See, brothers and sisters? That's why the scriptures previously said about the argument, being argumentative, cutting a brother off in his speech. Because that's actually where you're showing your wisdom. That's where you're actually showing your knowledge. Our tongues are small, but they are capable of wreaking great havoc, brothers and sisters. We have to look to... Measure knowledge against what the Bible is saying. Can you read that again, brother? James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and abdued with the knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. See, so true wisdom is not necessarily found in those with the most education, brothers and sisters. Rather, wise people can be spotted living wisely in humility and participating in good works, brothers and sisters. That's what a wise man or woman is according to the Bible. Not somebody who got you know, more degrees than a thermometer. That's not wise according to the Bible. You show your wisdom in conversation. In your meekness, in your wisdom. Even in disagreement. Brothers and sisters. Because you're going to disagree. How do you handle a disagreement? Can you yield? Can you still have respect for a brother? Can you keep his integrity intact even though you don't agree? Or not? See, these are the things the Most High want us to see, brothers and sisters. These are the things he's trying to point out to us. And you can only get this information 
contained in biblical literature, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms 141, verse 5. Psalms chapter 141, verse 5. Let the righteousness smite me. It shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me. It shall be excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. So what is this showing us, brothers and sisters? This is showing us something here. Proud people usually cannot accept constructive criticism. See, somebody who's humble is saying, let the righteous smite me, and it, I'll take that as kindness. Why? Because proud people have a hard time accepting failures. For this reason, they refuse to be corrected. They're offended whenever their behaviors are scrutinized. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother, because this is the true sign of humility. Psalms chapter 141, verse 5. Let the righteousness smite me. It shall be a kindness and let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. Humility thanks those who admonish and correct us. Well, thank you, brother. You know what? I, I didn't even know I was doing that, brother. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure that you're showing, you're showing me this or telling me this because you care about me. You love me. Not because you're trying to offend me. See? Thank you, sister. I'm glad you pointed that out because I don't want to get to judgment day and I've been <laughs> displaying this behavior and I was doing this unbeknownst to myself. See, brothers and sisters? Instead of being insulted, be thankful when others correct us because it will help us improve. See, brothers and sisters? Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let them reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. See? We're showing you the symptoms of pride. We're showing you the symptoms of humility, brothers and sisters. We're talking about symptoms of pride so we can identify it and deal with it when it pops up in our lives, brothers and sisters. And one of the symptoms is what? It's entitlement, brothers and sisters. Entitlement often creeps unnoticeably, brothers and sisters. And this is critical because this is an indication of pride. Let's prove that. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6 and 6, brother. Follows the 1 Timothy, brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Read that again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain, brothers and sisters. Entitlement is rooted in a prideful heart. Why? Because we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're better than we are and deserve better than we have, brothers and sisters. That's rooted in pride all the way. And usually what happens is when Israel find out they're Israel, oh my goodness, a huge <laughs> a huge weight of entitlement start to come over our people. We start to think we're actually better than other people and we deserve more than we actually do, brothers and sisters. That happens. That's why the Bible tell you with much knowledge, puff it up. <laughs> Read that again, brother. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world 
and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. That's the true mark. Read that again, brother. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. See, it says, as long as you have food and clothing, you need to be content with that. And if you're not, you're dealing with pride. And what happens, brothers and sisters, when we deal with the spirit of entitlement, we grow bitter, frustrated, and disturbed because we believe we're entitled to more, brothers and sisters. That's a sure symptom of pride. This scripture is telling us contentment is the true measure of success. Read 6, brother, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See? So the easiest way to increase our humility is to work on our gratitude, brothers and sisters. To work on our gratitude. To be content. That's key, brothers and sisters, in any spiritual maturation process. Because yes, of course we want more, but hey, I have enough until he decide to give me what it is I think I deserve. See, brothers and sisters? Entitlement. Let's go to Proverbs 30, brother. Verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 8. Talking on this topic of entitlement. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Remove far from me vanity and lies, and give me neither poverty nor riches. And what? And give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. So this is some, this is some very deep information here. He's saying, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Why? What's verse 9 say? Least I be full and deny thee. What? Least I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or least I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So verse 8 is saying, I don't want to be rich and I don't want to be poor. I want to be content. I want to be in the middle. So what this is showing us is what we have to ask ourselves, brothers and sisters, is do we fear wealth as much as poverty? See, because the scriptures illustrate the deceitful and damning nature of both financial success and poverty, brothers and sisters. Read eight one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 30, verse eight. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Least I be full and deny thee and say. Least I be full. When I'm rich, I'm full. I deny you. I don't really need you. And say, who is the Lord? Or least I be poor. And do what? And steal. And take the name of my God in vain. See, so if you have the wisdom of the Bible, you know the arrogance of being rich and the temptations of being poor, brothers and sisters. See, usually when I'm rich, I, I, you know, I really don't need to follow the most. I got everything I need. I can buy everything I need. And if I'm poor, then I have to break his law because I'm, I'm going to steal now. See, feed me with food convenient for me. That's called contentment, brothers and sisters. See, humility recognizes that the most high is good and gives us what we need. So we have no reason to be ungrateful. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. This is some very this is a wealth of knowledge. Neither give me riches nor poverty, but feed me with food convenient for me. The scripture prior said what? With food and raiment be content. See? 
you're surviving, you're good. My mom used to always tell me, listen, God tell me that I have to feed you. He didn't say I had to feed you steak. He told me I had to clothe you. He didn't say I had to buy you the new Jordans. We must be content, brothers and sisters. What we're shown here is what? Entitlement often creeps unnoticeably, brothers and sisters. And what are we doing? We're going to use the Bible because there are many things that can give us a hint that pride is actually attacking us, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you something here. We've got to show you something. Let's go to Let's go to Genesis 1 and 4, brother. Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Jump to verse 10, brother. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And what? And God saw that it was good. Read verse 12, brother. Genesis chapter 1 verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was it in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And what? And God saw that it was good. Read verse 18, brother. Genesis chapter 1 verse 18. And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And God what? And God saw that it was good. What are we showing you here, brothers and sisters? We're showing you that even though the Most High was not done, He said it was good. It means it's good enough. See? On all these different days, He said, well, listen, that's good for now. <laughs> now, was it done? Was, was He finished? Was, was it complete? No, but that's good for now. See? An attitude to gratitude, brothers and sisters, because just because he's giving you something doesn't mean that's all you're going to get. But that's good for now until you can accept that until you can't. And when you can't accept that, then you're going to stay there a lot longer than you ought to. We're showing you something just because something is good doesn't make it complete, brothers and sisters. He told Paul, listen, my grace is sufficient. Paul prayed for what? For that. That thorn in his side, what the scripture calls a thorn in his side, to be removed. The Most High said, well, no, that's not going to happen. My grace is sufficient enough. I've done enough for you. See? That's the spirit of humility, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to go you to uh, take you to Genesis 1 and take you to those scriptures to show you, even though creation was not finished, it was good for that time. So we have to get in that same mind frame of attitude to gratitude, brothers and sisters. It's good enough. Do I want more? Yes, but it's good enough for now. That's good enough until they give it to me. See? The Most High viewed it and said it was good. That's good. Now, when I decide to give you more, then I'll do that. But right now, that's good. We have to stay in that mind frame, brothers and sisters, because entitlement is an indication of the presence of pride. Let's go to Philippians 2 and 3, brother. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let it esteem each esteem other better than themselves. Read that again, brother. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. That's the key, the, brothers and sisters. We, it's very important that we're sober 
about why we want what we want. See that vainglory there, brothers and sisters? See, you got to be real. You got to be sober on that. Why, why actually do you want what you want? See? Because a lot of times we lie. Read that one more time, brother. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each what? Let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each esteem others better than themselves. So this is key, brothers and sisters. Comparison is an indication of pride. Because I should want another brother or sister to have what it is they have. That's key. How do we know that's pride, brothers and sisters? How do we know? It's clear. Because if I'm comparison, there's too much focus on self. See? Too much focus on self. So much self-meditation has to be pride, brothers and sisters. Has to be. See? We have to stop thinking of ourself and become selfless, brothers and sisters. See, these are the indications, brothers and sisters, according to the Bible. Let us esteem others better than ourselves. So what that brother have, or whatever the case may be, that's good for that brother. That don't have anything to do with me. I'm not going to measure myself against another brother's ruler. <laughs> because I'm not going to do that. So this is key, brothers and sisters. Two things we're learning here. We have to be sober concerning what we want, why we want. And also, we have to learn to be content. Let If another brother have something or whatever the case may be, getting recognition or a sister, guess what? I'm glad. I'm happy for that, brother. I'm happy for that, brother. When it's my time, I'll get that. We have to stop thinking of ourselves so much. That is the definition of pride. <laughs> that's the definition, brothers and sisters. That's what this, you know, that's what these scriptures are indicating to us. Let's go to Hebrews 5 and 8, Brother Wesley. Follow us, brothers and sisters, please. We're going to the New Testament. We're going to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. By what? Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. By the things which he suffered. So that's key, brothers and sisters. You learn <laughs> through suffering, brothers and sisters. If you're dealing with pride, you, you can't pray to the Most High and say, well, Father, give me humility, and that's going to fall down on you. It doesn't work like that. He's going to put you in a position in which you're going to have to display humility, brothers and sisters. See? So we have to understand that. That's why we're going into these symptoms, because, you know, the argumentative and the entitlement, and these things are opportunity where we should be learning what humility is or learning that we're suffering from pride. See, that's where we measure ourselves at, brothers and sisters. That's how we know. You learn obedience, you learn humility by the things which we experience, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you that. Let's go to Isaiah 45 and 3, brother. Excuse me, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, brothers and sisters. Isaiah chapter 45, 
verse 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Read that again. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness. The treasures of darkness, brothers and sisters. Hold on. You're telling me there's treasure in darkness? Read that again, brother. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. Brothers and sisters, the key is I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Christ learned obedience through the things which he suffered. First thing you have to understand about darkness is it's not a thing, brothers and sisters. Darkness is the absence of a thing. So in order to go through darkness, we have to experience the absence of a thing, brothers and sisters. See, so as we measure ourselves against these symptoms that are an indication of pride, that's a good thing. That's treasure. Because now you're finding out what you're lacking. See? You can't, you can't fix anything that you don't know you're struggling with, brothers and sisters. See? That's the treasure of the darkness, brothers and sisters. See, it's what we don't have that makes it dark. And what you'll learn through the Bible is the Most High does his best work in the dark, brothers and sisters. See? In the darkness is actually when you find out there's a lack of light, brothers and sisters. When you're measuring yourself and say, well, when I was in that situation, this is what I did. Oh, I'm struggling on that. Now I found the treasure of what I should be doing. Remember those old cameras, brothers and sisters, where the film, it's, you had to take it in the dark to develop it, to, to develop the pictures. Development is in the dark, brothers and sisters. When God prepares us for the light, he puts us in the dark. Because he has to show us what we're lacking first. See? The darkness is the absence of a thing. So he has to show us that absence of a thing. Therefore, we pursue it. That's a treasure of darkness, brothers and sisters. There's treasures in darkness. See, that's why he said those who endure his chastening, those who love his correction. Why? Because the correction is a treasure of darkness. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> but it's the only way to get the light. See, those of us who, you know, get mad and offended and all of that. When he's showing, them, showing us something about ourselves, that's pride. That's pride. And you're going to be punished for it. See, there's treasures in darkness. It's all about perception. How you perceive the Most High showing you something that you're struggling with, brothers and sisters. You should be happy that he loved you enough to show you what you're struggling with before you get to that day. And there's no more talking. Because see, because you're going to be judged irregardless whether you know it or not, because it was your responsibility to know it. So we have to be happy, brothers and sisters, that He loves us enough to point out our flaws, the ones that we will be judged on, the treasures of darkness, brothers and sisters. See, there is treasure in darkness, brothers and sisters. We are developed in the dark. See. That's when we're developed, brothers and sisters. When you put a seed in the ground, that's where it's developing. If you have a bag of seeds and leave it outside on the ground in the sun, nothing will happen. Why? Because it was developed to only produce in the dark, brothers and sisters. See? 
So we have to change our perception on receiving constructive criticism concerning ourselves, because there's treasure in that, brothers and sisters. And that's key. We're going to show you. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, brothers and sisters. There was a story of a man named Naaman, who the Most High put to the test, to test his pride. Because remember, there's treasures in darkness. You learn obedience through the things in which you suffered. Now we're going to show you how this particular brother learned the things which he suffered, brothers and sisters. We're going to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given him given deliverance unto Syria. Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. But what? But he was a leper. So Naaman, brothers and sisters, was commander-in-chief of the Syrian army. But he was a leper. So he had mighty valor. People feared him. But yet when he went home, he was dealing with this sickness, brothers and sisters, this disease. So look at this. The Most High will shame you, brothers and sisters. (laughs) The Most High will shame you. What you're seeing here is that even though he was an honorable man and people respected him, his leprosy was an enemy to his happiness, Brothers and sisters, read the next scripture, brother. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. So here it is. There's an Israelite maid that waited, that worked for Naaman's wife. Read. And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So she's telling the woman, Naaman's wife, that listen, there's a prophet. There's a prophet named Elisha that's in Samaria that can cleanse him of this leprosy. Read that one more time, brother. Second Kings chapter 5, verse, verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. So look at this, brothers and sisters. A man that was noble, who people feared, actually had something he couldn't cleanse himself. The Most High is working on something here. Jump to verse 9, brother. We're going to read 9 through 14. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha. Of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Read that again. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Elisha, who was under, of course, learned from Elijah, brothers and sisters, is telling you that Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Now what you're going to see is, Naaman's going to be angry because Elisha didn't come out and speak to him himself. Read that again, brother. And and Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Read. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought 
he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. See, so he's saying, listen, he didn't even come out. I would have thought he would have came out to me personally. He didn't even come out to me. He told, he sent a messenger out to me. Does he know who I am? I'm Naaman, commander in chief of the Syrian army. See, there's the pride, brothers and sisters. Elisha told him, listen, go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times. Now, what you have to know, brothers and sisters, geographically, the Jordan River is not, it's a very dirty river, brothers and sisters. It's a very dirty river. Now, this is a man who is chief and commander here. Read 11 one more time, brother. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Read. Are not Abana and Parfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? So he's like, listen, there's other rivers that's cleaner than the Jordan. May I not wash in them and be clean? Read that again. May I not wash in them? And be clean. So he turned and went away and raised. See, this is the pride, brothers and sisters. You're seeing pride here. He's showing pride in a, in a plethora of ways. Number one, brothers and sisters, what is he saying? What is he saying, brothers and sisters? He's showing two things. Elisha didn't even come out and speak to me himself. And then he chose one of the dirtiest rivers to speak to me in. I really need you to examine this, brothers and sisters. This is pride, brothers and sisters. So Naaman's leprosy was an enemy to his happiness, but he had a far worse enemy in his own heart, and that was pride, brothers and sisters. That was pride. See? I really need you to examine this clearly, brothers and sisters. Read 2 Kings 5 and 13, brother, because Naaman have now walked away in a rage. Second Kings chapter 5 and 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, What did they say, brother? My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou have not done it? How much rather then, when he said to thee, wash and be clean. See, so it's showing you something else here. The simplicity of Christ, brothers and sisters. It says, if he would have told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? He's telling you to do something that's simplistic. Go to this river and wash yourself. Dip yourself seven times. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. A lot of people are tricked by the devil. They're seduced by the devil because they don't respect the simplicity of Christ. When Christ said a man must be baptized, to, he must be born again of water to get into the kingdom of heaven. You'll have our own people in their pride saying, I took a bath last night. That's just dipping in water. See, you don't understand because Christ is simplistic. See, you think you, you, you're so deep. You're showing your pride that you can't understand something so simplistic. And the New Testament tell you about that. A lot of us will be deceived by the simplicity of Christ. It's very clear. He's telling Naaman, go and dip yourself seven times. His servant said, if he would have told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? But because this is something simple, you can't do this. 
Read it again, brother. Verse 13, please. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said thee, wash and be clean? Read. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. Read that again, brother. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So he was clean, brothers and sisters. But it showed you what he had to humble himself. As long as Naaman stayed in his pride, he would not and could not receive what God wanted to give him. And that's what we need our people to understand. Your pride is holding up your blessing, brothers and sisters. It's your pride. See? That's evident here, brothers and sisters. If he would not have humbled himself, he would have never been cleansed. And this is what the Bible is trying to illicitly display to us. This is what he's trying to show us, brothers and sisters. Your pride will hold you back from your destiny. The same way here. This man was a proud man, a prideful and arrogant man. Why? Because with power come arrogancy a lot of times, brothers and sisters. A Syrian general who went to speak to a little old prophet of a people that was already serving them. And Elisha didn't even come out and speak to him. Elisha sent his servant out there, say, go tell him to dip himself seven times in the Jordan, in the dirty waters of the Jordan. He'll be all right. So he took, he, he, he took problem with that because why entitlement <laughs> to show you brothers and sisters, how the Bible links. There's the entitlement there. See? And then he says, well, can I go do this? And can I go to this river and that river? See, there you go. You know better. There go that pride again. There go the pride again. He said go to the Jordan River. He didn't say go to all these other rivers in Damascus. <laughs> it wasn't until his servants convinced him. Said, listen, if you would have if he would have asked you to do something, you know, give him a hundred shekels, give him two chariots, you would have did that. But he's telling you something simple as follow my direction, and you can't do that. See? This is a very important story within the Bible, brothers and sisters, because it shows you how the Most High wants to bless us. But as long as you're holding on to that pride, you will suffer. Though he be a son, <laughs> he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Hebrews 5. See? Now Naaman has what? Has learned humility. <laughs> See how the most I do that? He don't just give you humility. Don't work like that. He's going to put you in circumstances where you're going to have to display humility. See that, brothers and sisters? See? Most I, you know, he, not, he don't just give a brother patience. He puts you in a position to exhibit patience, to display and experience patience. That's how it works, brothers and sisters. That's how it works. So the Bible is crystal clear here. Go back and read that story. Anytime you're struggling with that, that pride and not doing what the Most High said and realize that the blessing is right in your grasp, but he will not let it fall into your hands until you lay down your pride. 
Let's go to Proverbs 18 and 12, Brother Wesley. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. What does that say, brother? Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The reason we can't be prosperous is because we're full of pride, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Before honor is humility, brothers and sisters. Now, when you look closely at this, you must understand this has financial implications, brothers and sisters. Why? Because when God sees you proud, he's obligated to bankrupt you. He's obligated, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he can't allow me in my, you know, in my pride to prosper. Cannot allow it. Okay? So there's financial implications here, brothers and sisters. He is obligated to bankrupt you if he finds you in pride. A God, <laughs> the God of this Bible can't allow you to prosper in pride. Let's prove that. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 23, Brother Wesley. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. See, read it again, brother. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Brothers and sisters, the Bible forewarns that calamity which will befall the proud. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. A what? A man's pride shall bring him low. See, and that's why we, we tell the daughters of Zion, not just the daughters of Zion, but the sisters, the daughters of the Most High. Sisters, if a man is pursuing you and you get a hint of pride in his spirit, stay far away from him, sister. Stay away from him. Because he's showing you his financial future. The Most High is going to keep him humble by hook or by crook. Okay? The Bible tells you a man's pride shall bring him low. So sisters, if you have a man pursuing you and he's dealing with this, you better stay away from him. Because that is your financial future right there. The most high is going to keep him humble. Let's be clear on that. These are the things we have to look for, brothers and sisters. We have to understand the symptoms and also understand what the repercussions for those symptoms are, brothers and sisters. That's crystal clear. Let's go to Psalms 37 and 11, brother. We're going to Psalms here. 37 verse 11, brother. Psalms chapter 37 verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. What did that say, brother? But the meek shall inherit the earth. Humility is the key to destiny, brothers and sisters. See? And he's going to put you in predicaments to test your humility. As we just saw with Naaman. <laughs> as we saw with Jonah. See, brothers and sisters? He's going to put you in a predicament in which you're going to have to display your humility. Or... Your lack thereof. Why? Because we can't be elevated until we're proven. Read that one more time, brother. 
Psalms chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek shall inherit the earth. So he must test your meekness, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 5 said, though he be a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. See, you can't just tell the most high. Well, yeah, I'm meek. Yeah, yeah, I'm patient. Oh, you are? Okay, we'll deal with this. <laughs> See, prove it. Most high don't hate. Most high not your mother. See, that's that's where we get confused. Mama just, you know, she just pats you on the back and praise you because you her baby. The most high is not your mama. See, it was always harder. Anybody who grew up, you know, with their family understood that it's easy to get the applause of mama. <laughs> she applauds you for everything. Daddy, though. It's harder to get his applause. If he give you applause, you good. See? It's even like that in the house. Mama pat you on the back just for, oh, that's my baby. Just for, you know, just for participation. To get the man's applause is something completely different. The meek shall inherit the earth, brothers and sisters. And we can't be elevated until we're proven. Let's go to Psalms 147 and 6, brother. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 147, verse 6. The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth cast the wicked down to the ground. Read that again. The Lord lifteth up the meek. He casteth he the wicked down to the ground. He lifteth up the meek, brothers and sisters. What is this, Psalms? The quickest way to get up is to get down, brothers and sisters. When God sees pride in us, he's obligated to destroy it. Brothers and sisters. And it's just telling us. Pride is the devil's territory. It's his playground. So he love it. He loves it when you have pride. Because he understands. He's going to use that to destroy you. See. He finds out what in your life. You're prideful about. What you'll be disobedient about. And then he'll magnify that. So the most high can destroy you. Because see guess what. Satan can't destroy you. But he understands the most high can. So what he'll do is push exactly what the most high hate on you. See? That's how diabolical Lucifer, the, the evil one, the serpent is. He can't destroy you. Job showed you that. He had to go to the most high <laughs> for permission. See? So what he do is help you harden your heart. See? Make you resentful and bitter. Understanding that the Most High is going to humble you by hook or by crook, brothers and sisters. We must understand this clearly. Be humble or be humbled, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3 and 28 in the Apocrypha, Brother Wesley. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. Stick with us here. Not a few more. Ecclesiasticus chapter 3 verse 28 In the punishment of the proud there is no remedy Read that again In the punishment of the proud there is no remedy For the plant of wickedness hath taken root in him Because pride is first an act of cosmic treason An act of rebellion against the Most High It must be punished brothers and sisters Therefore being obligatory to suffer the devastating consequences there's no remedy. 
Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 3, verse 28. In the punishment of the proud, there is no remedy. For the plant of wickedness has taken root in him. Look at that. There is no remedy for the pride. Pride. See? The root of wickedness have taken root in you. There's nothing more enjoyable than to humble a proud man. The Most High is telling you. <laughs> and even men feel like that. Men love to humble other proud men. See? Heaven loves the smell of burning flesh. What do you think the sacrifice was about? See? Brothers and sisters, you humble yourself. Get down. Before he puts you down, brothers and sisters. And this is very critical, especially amongst our people. And we're not talking about thinking you're better than somebody. Or you're cuter than somebody. Or you have a nicer car. Not about that. That's not the pride we're talking about here. We're talking about the pride of your decision making. Which is an indication to something far greater, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 149 and 4, brother. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 149, verse 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with he, salvation. He will what? He will beautify the meek with salvation. Brothers and sisters, with the same intensity that he hates arrogance, he loves humility. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time. Psalms chapter 149 verse 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He taketh pleasure in the meek, brothers and sisters. That means he's going to give you an opportunity to display your humility so he can take pleasure in you. See? You have to first display it. That's the key, brothers and sisters. He's going to put us in situations and predicaments in which we're going to have to either prove the humility or the lack thereof. So understand this, brothers and sisters. Anybody can say they're humble, but when he puts you in that situation to test your humility, then what's going to happen? Satan understand this. Satan understand that pride is the beginning of sin. He understand that, brothers and sisters. So he will like he will try to play with our mind, brothers and sisters. The quickest way to get up is to get down, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms one thirty eight and six, chapter one thirty eight, verse six. Psalms chapter 138, verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Yet what? Yet he hath respect unto the lowly. The humble man attracts the most high's notice, particularly brothers and sisters. Read that again. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. But what? But the proud he, he knoweth afar off. The proud he knoweth afar off, brothers and sisters. So guess what? A step in humility is a step closer to the Most High. A step in pride is a step away from the Most High. That's why it says the proud he knoweth afar off, brothers and sisters. See? So we have to make a destiny decision to humble ourselves. Because when you deal with your pride, you're taking a step back. A 
a step back to where you're way down the road. You're miles away from the Most High. Miles away. Because you're disobeying. See, brothers and sisters? And you will feel that coldness. Same coldness that Adam felt in the garden. See? You will feel it. We have to get down, brothers and sisters. The most I have respect for the humble, for the low in spirit, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Which means you are not close to him. You are not nigh to him. He know you because he created you, but you're nowhere near him. Now, let's go to Luke 22 and 24. Follows, brothers and sisters. Luke chapter 22, we're going to read 24 through 27. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Now this is speaking of the disciples, brothers and sisters. I need you to really see something. The disciples used to argue about who would be greatest, brothers and sisters. The key thing is, it says, <laughs> it says, and there was also a strife among them. Which let us know they was dealing with pride. Because strife and contention cometh only by pride. <laughs> See? So if the disciples was dealing with this, are you not dealing with this? Read it again, brother, please. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the king, the king of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But yet, but ye shall be shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you read that again. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he doeth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat. Or he that serveth. Read that again, brother. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you so, as he that serveth. So, brothers and sisters, I need you to really examine that. We evaluate greatness by the wrong criteria. The greatness in the most high sight are those who humbly serve. See? Because here you had brothers arguing over who was going to be greatest, who was going to have authority. The greatest amongst you, Christ says, those who are greatest amongst you should take the lowest rank. See, you show your, your leadership in servanthood. See, he's showing you something crystal clear here, brothers and sisters. See, this is how the most high, this is how Christ views power and greatness. It is a gift to be able to serve. And the day you stop believing that is the day you lose your power. Let this mind be in you, that which is in Christ. The Bible tell you. Serving. That's true leadership, brothers and sisters. That's true authority, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew 18 and we're going to end it here. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. 
At the same time came the disciples unto Christ, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Christ called a little child unto him, and sat him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. Read that again. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, so brothers and sisters, greatness in the kingdom is not secured by seeking to be greatest. See, the real greatness of a child consists in its perfect contentment with its littleness and dependence. <laughs> See, so you have to you have to have a renewed mind, brothers and sisters, because this is necessary for entrance into the kingdom. Our greatness is measured by our humility, brothers and sisters. And that's crystal clear. See, a child is content not having any power being, you know, relying on their parents. Relying on somebody to feed them. Relying on somebody to drive them around. See, that's humility. <laughs> that's humility. Contentment. See, not entitlement. The Bible is showing you something clear. You must be like a little child in order to enter into those gates, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson, we wanted to go into... Pride, brothers and sisters. We want to go into not only pride, but the symptoms of pride. Once we are able to identify the spirit of pride that dwell within us, we must replace that with humility, brothers and sisters. So today's lesson, we wanted to go through a, a laundry list of symptoms because why? Pride is very hard to detect, brothers and sisters. And it has many different faces. So the ambiguity would lead us to be self-deceived so when you go through these scriptures as we encourage brothers and sisters to do um, do your personal study and praying on some of the things that you've learned today if you find something that's unbecoming brothers and sisters if you find that secret fault repent of that secret fault come back to the father we want to say kwam yasharala kwam yasharala sin no more sin no more